0: Uh, today, uh, this Sunday, the 23rd, is actually um, Pentecost. This is this is the the from Easter. Uh, this would be the Sunday that we celebrate uh, Pentecost. Um, Jesus has ascended. And now this is the day that we remember the Holy Spirit coming and filling those believers in the upper room. In Acts chapter 2, where they were, where the tongues of fire and the wind came. And, and they were, it was just, it was amazing. You can go read that. Read that today. Acts chapter 2. It's just, it, this was a, an absolutely mind-blowing, pivotal, amazing, promise-keeping moment that happened to uh, these believers as the church was just getting started as Jesus has finished, finished his ministry on the earth in person. And now he's ascended and now his kingdom is advancing primarily through the church, through the Holy spirit. So it's actually amazing uh, that today is Pentecost Sunday and we're, we are going to look at just that we're going to look at the work of the Holy spirit in God's people. We're, that's what we're going to look at today. And that's actually where we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 10. And so, if you will, Matthew chapter 10, uh, I'm going to read just the f- verse 1 through 8. Here we go. And he called to him his 12, he being Jesus, and he called to him his 12 disciples, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles are these first Simon, who is called Peter and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. We met him last week. Remember James, the son of Alpheus and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without paying. So we're going to stop there for today, although we really should keep going. But to be honest, I have no clue how I'm going to fit what I need to say into this message already. So uh, buckle up because we're going to fly around a little bit. And that's okay. This is, this is a conversation. This isn't just a pack it into 45 minutes. Here's the whole picture. Go, boom, done. Believe that and we're finished and this we can't have a conversation. I want to invite an open dialogue on everything that's going to, to be talked about here. Uh, and many, 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 many scriptures will not be, uh, brought in, uh, to this talk, but here we go. So we find, um, Jesus, uh, we've so far, we've seen the early days or or the early chapters in Matthew. Jesus is ticking all the boxes, right? He is the King. He is the Messiah. He is God himself. That's how, that's how, uh, John in in his gospel uh, actually starts out right from the beginning, just like Jesus is God. He's always been, he's the creator of everything that is who Jesus is. And so we have been talking about that. We have said that I just right from the top want to say that Jesus is God. We have seen many moments where he reveals that in subtle, but not so subtle ways. And it's been amazing. And then Jesus gives this Absolutely. He starts out into his ministry and, and he comes into public and he he's baptized. And we have this moment where the father speaks and says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And, and the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove and rests on Jesus. And it's from that place that Jesus goes and he starts his ministry. And he starts preaching and he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, right? That's his message, the kingdom of heaven. And he's preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom, right? The good news that this, this kingdom that is here, that God who, who has a rightful rule and reign on the earth, that we humans have just made a disastrous mess of, that he is making this grand restoration, this grand rescue plan. That Jesus, in him, the kingdom is fully in him. And now he is establishing it on the earth. And it. we know that it continues to grow until the day he returns. And it's going to be in fullness. How's that for the whole picture in a mouthful? I told you we're flying along. So that's where we're at. So Jesus gives us gives this group of disciples, many, many, many people, not just the 12. He gives them the, the Sermon on the Mount, which is in large part the kingdom lifestyle, the kingdom way, the kingdom morals, the kingdom laws. The, like this is, this is the heartbeat of what it is to be in the kingdom of heaven, a kingdom of restoration and holiness and pureness and and honoring people and loving people and loving Jesus and, and Him having all authority. And if, if we don't love Jesus first, then the only alternative is eternal separation in hell. That is the only other option. Loving Jesus and saying, Yes, you have my everything, and I will listen to your words and obey you. Or the other option is hell. That is, this is what Jesus says. And and so he speaks these huge words. And, and it says Jesus spoke as one with authority, like what he says should go. And then I picture myself there thinking, whoa, that's awesome. But how do you back it up? And so Jesus backs it up, as we've seen in the last two chapters, in chapters 8 and 9. He demonstrates his authority over sickness and disease. He demonstrates his authority over distance by healing uh, the centurion servant he he shows authority over he shows the authority over creation in in this in calming the storm he shows this great authority and it all leads as we talked about last week up to this authority over death itself as he heals Jairus's daughter and so Jesus has this authority. And he demonstrates this authority. It's not just lip service. Jesus is powerful. He is powerful. And Jesus does this through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and we will unpack that a little bit more as we go this morning. Jesus is operating and doing all of these things as a man using and knowing the will of the Father Being filled with the power that comes from the Holy Spirit. We're going to unpack that a little bit. But as we see here we knew that Jesus was doing a master class as well. He had these disciples following him and, and Jesus uh, is showing them what's he doing. He's healing people. He's casting out demons. He's preaching the good news. He's preaching repentance to come and turn from your own lifestyle and turn to the ways of God and accepting his forgiveness And so Jesus is doing all these things and he's modeling it perfectly. And then in this place, these disciples have been with him a while and there's many disciples and Jesus. Now he selects these 12 guys and we, we're not going to hang out here today, but these 12 guys are just the most weird group of 12 guys that you could put together. Like that. We talked about a tiny bit last week, a tax collector and a zealot and, and this Judas guy that you, that was in charge of the money that you knew that, that, you would have known was stealing the money. Well, clearly they knew because they wrote it in there. And um, and he ends up betraying Jesus. In the, it's just like these 12, but by trans, the transforming work of God, these 12 do some amazing things as we're going to see throughout um, the rest of the scripture. But for today, we see that in verse 1, he called to him his 12 disciples. He gave them authority. So Jesus has the authority. And now he gives the authority to these 12. He gives them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and affliction. And then remember down here, it says, go, go out, proclaim saying in verse seven, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So that sounds familiar. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out Demons. This is what he's telling to these 12 fairly ordinary guys. What is happening? This is a pivotal moment in the mission of Jesus establishing his kingdom on the earth. What we see here, some of of these directives are directed to the disciples. What we see in here, these these pieces of um, not going to the Samaritans and things like this, Jesus was, Jesus had a strategy and he had a plan as he was unrolling and unveiling the plan of the kingdom advancing on the earth. And this was his first step outside of himself. And it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. He empowers 12 men, common uneducated men. It tells us in the book of Acts and, 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 it, and they go and they do the same stuff they just saw Jesus do. What did they just see? They just saw Jesus proclaiming the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was healing the sick, raising the dead, and cleansing leopards. These are Jesus's kingdom plans. And, and this is the first moment where we see it happening in people. And it actually increases and grows and continues to increase. And we see at Pentecost when those spirit people were filled with the spirit just how much it multiplied and how all believers who are filled with the spirit have that same call to go and multiply the kingdom of heaven on the earth for the glory of God. So that his word would go forth. These signs and wonders were to accompany the word of God, the truth of God, that all need him, that all need to repent, that all need to bow, that all need to worship him. So we have these 12 apostles. And then if you've, flip over to Luke chapter 10, uh, it doesn't just stop at them. At, in Luke chapter 10, we see Jesus in another phase. He's, he's ramping it up again. He's sending out 72 other disciples that were following him. Uh, in, in Luke chapter 10, uh, verse, starting at verse 1, it says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into his harvest. I actually believe the harvest is plentiful now too. And we, the church, need to be the the laborers that are sent out into the harvest. We need to be those laborers. That are sent out, and so these seventy-two, they go out and they're ministering and and they're healing the sick and they're and they're saying, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. They're they're out there, they're doing it, and they come back. In verse seventeen, it says the seventy-two returned with joy. They were so excited. No doubt they were excited. They were saying, "Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name." And Jesus, he pauses and he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. First of all, whoa, those are some authoritative words. He says, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. God's kingdom plan involves us having authority over the evil spirits in the world, having authority at times, according to his will over sickness and disease and various other things. The same things that Jesus did. Now, we love that because it advances his kingdom. That is the bottom line. And But what Jesus says is don't just get so too excited about that, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven. That's how much, if we ever lose sight of how great heaven is and we look to anything less, far be it from us. Jesus uses that as an example, but he never says Don't go and do these things because it is a very core piece of his kingdom advancing plan on the earth. It's a very core piece of that. And it wasn't just those 72. And if you flip to John chapter 14, as I try to flip there, if you flip to John chapter 14, we'll start at verse 12. Whoever believes in Jesus will do the works that he does. Not all the works that he does, but we can do the works that he does. Because he went to the Father. So because his kingdom needs to keep going on the earth, his plan of redemption will continue on the earth. Why? Whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in his Son. The center of it all. Is Jesus the center of it all? Is Jesus? And now I want to say, really briefly, I know I'm just I, 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 I maybe skirted this this point right from the beginning, but um, but I believe that these these things are for today. These things are for today, and I believe wholeheartedly that we should actually seek and desire them, and and that's where I'm headed. But as we get through the rest of these scriptures together, and as we explore this together, I want us to think, wow, do I, do I want this? Do I desire this? I, I certainly hope that we will desire this and want this, not because we want the accolades of signs and wonders, but because this is Jesus' plan, and his word tells us that it's good, and it's for the glorification of the Father in the Son. That's what I want. That is what we want. Amen? That is what we want. So, Mark chapter 16, just in case that verse wasn't good enough, because I want to do a little bit of justice here. Mark chapter 16, uh, Jesus is giving, this is Mark's um, version, if you will, Mark's uh, uh, recording of the Great Commission at the the end of Jesus' time with his disciples on the earth. And he says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. So you're proclaiming the word. That's, that's our goal, church. Whoever believes, whoever is believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, what I don't believe Jesus is saying here is everyone must do all of these things. But what he is saying is that it will happen. It will happen. And so if, we've, if, we, if we operate thinking it can't or shouldn't or won't happen, I think we're opposed to the word of God. Lord, would we align to your word first and foremost? Nothing in us. Nothing in us, Lord. And so in verse 20, it says, they went out and preached everywhere. They were preaching the word of God. Said they preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. These signs are for a confirmation. They're supposed to stir people's hearts. They're supposed to break through that mental blockage and stir people's hearts towards Jesus, towards accepting the words of God, the word of God, the good news of Jesus, the good news of his welcoming, inviting kingdom and his restorative plan for each and every human being that he made a way. That's that's the plan. That's the plan. But But the key to all of this, I think, uh, something that really helps me at least, a huge piece, is understanding that piece that I talked about at the beginning, that Jesus was operating as a man, as the perfect example. And now we have looked so much at how Jesus is God. Absolutely. He is fully God and fully man. He is one person, and he is fully God and fully man. So that means that I'll get a little theological here. That means that he has, he is one person and he has two natures. There's none other like that. There's absolutely none other like that. So um, there is a divine nature and there is a angelic nature and there is a human nature and each person is a person. Now, I know this is getting a little bit, maybe a little bit weird, but track with me here. Jesus has two natures. He has a God nature, and he has the nature of a human being. The nature means the characteristics, the attributes, if you will, that define that person. So a divine nature means that you have divine attributes that the other the other natures don't have. Now, what is divine attributes? Those attributes that only God has, like omniscience. That means he knows all things, right? Omnipresence, that he is everywhere at all times. And omnipotence, so that he is all powerful. That's not man's nature. That's God's nature, God's nature alone. Jesus, in his divine nature, has all of those things. All of those things. Now, Jesus, at the same time, had a human nature. And human nature is not omniscient, is not omnipotent. Which other one did I say? Omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. omnipresent. Obviously not everywhere at all times. And so Jesus, we know that he was obviously not omnipresent. Right? We know that because he was A man, he was in one place at one time. People came to see him. He was not omnipresent. So in in that way, uh, he became very limited. And and, and I believe he actually limited himself to fully man while he walked on the earth. He did not get rid of his divine nature, but he chose to lay it aside and walk as a man, which is why he needed to walk in the power of of the Holy spirit. And he demonstrated it perfectly. He demonstrated it perfectly. Let's explore this a tiny little bit. Um, I have. So if we don't start at the regular time, looking at that clock does me no good uh, because I have no idea what time I started. Um, (laughs) So buckle up. We're in this together. Hebrews chapter two. Um, I promise I won't keep you all day. You guys aren't even allowed to go anywhere and see anybody anyways. So here we go. Hebrews uh, chapter two, and we're going to look at verse um, 17 and 18. So this is speaking of Jesus. It says, therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. So that means that Jesus had to be made like men in every, every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. So Jesus came, and he was made like man in every respect, in every respect, so that he could be a faithful high priest, so that he could serve God, Now, does God need to serve God? Well, Jesus laid that aside. It says, for because he, in verse 18, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Now, that's such a wonderful, uh, wonderful thing that we hang on to that Jesus knows and acknowledges and went through the same stuff that you and I go through, and he went through it fully. But now, if God is omnipotent, all-powerful, if he is all-powerful, why did he have to suffer? And in fact, uh, the word tells us that God, in, in, the, in the book of James, that God cannot be tempted, that, the, that, that God nature cannot be tempted, but Jesus himself, he was tempted. And so what we see, and we start to see forming, is maybe maybe just maybe Jesus wasn't operating out of his yes eternal divine nature that he has always had will always have is this is Jesus he is God but as he walked the earth what he did was make an example by set it set the example by walking as a man filled by the spirit it's actually profound and it gives me great hope it gives me great hope so What we're going to do is we're going to jump to Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to see this um, come out a little bit more obvious here. Uh, It says, starting in verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. So we're going to pause there. This, uh, this passage is often uh, people stop and they say that Jesus emptied himself. And then they stop there and they go down a rabbit trail of trying to grasp and figure out what did they mean? What did they mean by he emptied himself? Well, just keep reading. He, it actually explains. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus had to learn obedience. He had to learn. First of all, God knows all things. Jesus knows all things, but he set it aside during his time on the earth so that he would learn, so that he would experience the full human experience. And so that he, as he went to That death on the cross would, uh, just as it says, oh boy, I think it's Colossians chapter 2, that he disarmed the rulers and the authorities once and for all by his work on the cross so that he would have all authority. And then, so now we see Jesus is living this out. This is important to me because as he gives, starts to roll out his authority, as we're seeing in Matthew chapter 10, he starts to place it on these 12. And then he's going to place it on the 72. And then the Spirit comes in power on Pentecost. And then we have all these verses that say, whoever believes is going to do these things and is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's going to be so that the word of God is heard. The word of God is known and these signs that are accompanying are going to actually convince people. They're going to break down the stubborn walls of the human mind and open hearts up to maybe receiving the truth. This is the point of these signs. I just wanted to address it today. It's Pentecost. It's a joyous... I'm so excited about the fact that we get to live into this and I fail over and over again in lack of faith. To actually believe that God could do that. There have been moments in my life where God has worked miraculous things through me. And I praise him for that. But so often, I think way too often of the people around me's opinion. And it's just garbage. And I hope that we as a church would have a hunger and a thirst for more of this. For more of this. I got to get back on track so we can finish this yet today. Um... These are Jesus had fully human attributes when he walked the earth, and now people would say, "Well, wait, well, what? A, wait a minute! Uh, he did all sorts of crazy things that normal humans can't do." No, he wasn't an, a normal human. He was a human filled by the Holy Spirit. That's the whole point. He was a, a one who was given a divine authority and he, he himself was divine. Yes, but he laid it aside. And so we think of um, different uh, characters throughout the scripture we can go through and we can see um, people being healed in the Old Testament. We can see, so there was authority by the Spirit of God, in the will of God, over sickness and disease. We see that in the Old Testament. Elijah, Elisha, Hezekiah, and Isaiah. We see... Uh, We see authority over creation. There's a few people that were able to split rivers open. That's pretty impressive. I I have never witnessed that. That's Old Testament. Peter Peter saw many miracles happening. And so did the Apostle Paul. And even Philip, uh, who was um, not an apostle. He was a deacon. He saw miracles happen. And you know what? It's because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to pause and I want to caveat. Even the devil, we see in the Old Testament, having authority only given by God, only given by God for specific purpose in the book of Job, was allowed to affect circumstances and storms and physical ailments, right? And so these things are not an end of themselves, which is why Jesus started with, the character growth and character commitment and fruit of the spirit that is found in the sermon on the Mount. And so as he's doing this masterclass and now he's sending out these guys, he's sending them out with authority to cast out demons and heal the sick. It is all under the umbrella of godliness of Christ's exalting lifestyle. And so that's what it's under. In Acts chapter 4, you heard me talk about it before. There's this bold prayer that the believers pray and they're gathered together and they're being persecuted and they're being told they can't talk about Jesus anymore. And so what, what do they do? They get together and they pray and they pray. And this says, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness so it's the word that they're wanting to preach with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus and when they prayed the place which where they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the holy spirit and continued to speak the word of god with boldness and so the signs and wonders followed along to confirm the word of god that was being preached with all boldness That was what was happening there in Ephesians chapter two. We know this verse that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places as we have called on his name as we are saved by his grace alone through faith that we are seated with him in the heavenly places. And we have this authority seated above any evil, any evil power as we are with him. And now I feel like I'm running out of time. How am I doing? Okay, you guys, we got an hour and a half left. (laughs) Um, I don't want to rush this, but I don't want to keep you forever. Okay, good. Oh, I got lots of time. Take a coffee break. Uh, (laughs) um, Let's go to 1 Corinthians 14. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 14. if my fingers work. The apostle Paul is talking to the church in Corinth and he just, he just told them about a lot of these miraculous gifts that were expected sounded like to be op- operating in the church in Corinth, even in Paul's absence, no apostles there, nothing. Um, but what he says here in first Corinthians 14, 1 is this pursue love. That's first. Pursue love. If anything is is done outside of love with this, it's just it's not, it's not there. Well, it's a what is it called? Noising gong and clanging symbol, right? But it says pursue love and together pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And so we're actually supposed to earnestly desire these. Not only is it psychic, Is this like, oh, it could happen maybe in some like missionary story far away. No, I think, I actually think we're disobedient to the Lord if we don't earnestly desire these gifts. If we actually don't, and if you don't have that desire, you don't have to feel bad, but just even ask God for the desire because his word says it. I actually think we'd be disobedient if we didn't desire these gifts in the church for the glorification of the Father in the Son. That's the that's the whole point, right? And so we see this in the church in Corinth, and we see two chapters earlier that the church in Corinth was actually, they were operating in these things. The miracles were happening. It was, it was a normal thing in Galatians uh, chapter three. They talk about the Galatian church uh, just on their own, figuring out this whole thing and miracles were happening um, at the hands of, of people because that is a normal thing that happens in, in the church, in the kingdom. Um, I, I wanted to share a story uh, just to kind of make it, I don't know real, real life and real and and I know you you guys have heard many, many of my stories already and 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 um, but I wanted to make one, uh, not, not making this up. I wanted to share one uh, that um, that is is simple, is non-threatening, yet it is the power of the Holy Spirit undeniably at work. So, I was, uh, it was a few years ago. I was, uh, doing, uh, some evangelism out at, uh, the university of Manitoba. And, um, it's a, it's a great place to go. Uh, students just kind of hang around, milling around and, and, um, and so I had talked to a few people that day and I hadn't really gone anywhere. And, 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 I had full, full disclosure, I had chickened out of talking to a couple people as well that day. And, um, and so uh, me and my friend uh, Jordan, we, um, we started talking to this uh, young, young guy who was there studying in, in one of the main atrium areas. And, and uh, we, we stopped and we were chatting with him. And uh, he was a Muslim. And, um, and so we were just talking. We were talking about um, what, what he believed, what, what we believed. And, and we, were, we were boldly proclaiming the word of God in love i believe that we were genuinely loving this guy but it was just it was just it was just kind of dead it was just kind of blocked right and so in my heart in my just in my mind uh, i was just praying lord like I, how can i break through to this guy now i've seen god do miracles before um, and and so i was like whatever god whatever you want to do and that's the key i ask him i don't go and say I'm telling you, telling the spirit what to do. I asked the spirit and, and, and I felt like the Holy spirit brought, brought just a question to mind, uh, to ask this young man. And so, so I asked him and, uh, he from a, a Middle Eastern country. And, uh, so he was far away from home and, and, and all I did was I asked him, how's your mom doing? We hadn't talked about family. We were just stuck on the, on the faith part, right? How's your, how's your mom doing back home? I bet I bet you miss her. And with that, just that question, just that simple little question, he broke into tears, and you every wall and barrier in his heart throughout that conversation, I could see him start to melt. I could just see that start to melt away. Now that's a simple question that anybody could have thought of, but that was the Holy Spirit knowing for that person at that time and we had a wonderfully rich time to pray for him in his sorrow of missing his mother and his mother's anguish of him being gone in a foreign country and and it was just he st- really started to open up and he could he was touched by that moment and that's a simple way that i i wouldn't have known i wouldn't have known like He had a mom back home and there was a struggle happening and how far away he was. And it was just the Holy Spirit speaking to me to speak to him, to break down those walls. The truth was being boldly proclaimed, but we needed the Holy Spirit to break through. And he did that through me and I praise him for it. And so it can be really that simple, but we got to learn to listen to God's voice. We got to learn what his will is, Jesus told these guys uh, what, his, what his will is. Go heal the sick, cast out demons, heal the lepers. Go do these things, proclaim the good news of the kingdom of heaven. I have really good friends of mine. Um, and some of them are, some of them are cessationists. I have really good friends who are reformed folks. And I have really good friends who are very charismatic, Pentecostal people. And quite often what you'll hear is the argument of, well, we're the folks that don't operate in the, the things of the Spirit as much as, well, we're really good at the Bible. And they're really good at the experience. And I want to debunk a myth here, actually. Um, the people that I've known that love the Bible most, are actually the people that have walked with the Spirit as well. That's been my experience. I take it for what it is. Uh, uh, in in immaturity, because the Spirit is no, it, it does work through immature people as well, in immaturity, yes, sometimes it can get out of balance. But if the Spirit is genuinely working, this Word is going to be first and foremost, and at the lens we look through, and central, and we love it. And I'm thankful that you guys love it. But I want to stop and I want to, as a church, I want to repent from neglecting the desire, at at very least the desire for these spiritual gifts. The Lord is the one who gives them and we won't force anything, but he wants us to desire them. And so we need to repent from the neglect to desire these, these spiritual gifts that we would be able to cast out demons, that we would heal sick. You've heard stories of of healing, but I don't believe that's just because um, I'm anything special or a couple people here or anything special. It's I believe there's more, and we need to earnestly desire these gifts. And it's going to offend our minds, and we're going to need to be humble, and we're going to need to be in prayer seeking God's will. And, and yeah, the church... The church needs this the world needs this because it needs the good news of God proclaimed in power knowing that it is God himself who has brought this word who has brought this word not that they're an end to themselves but but it's a gift that I don't want us to miss out on and so Jesus as he was establishing his kingdom he came and he taught he came and he was an example he, he gave that authority to the 12, to the 72, and he gives it to you and me. And he gives it to you and me so that more and more people would know him. And so that more and more people would love him. And so that more and more people would proclaim on that day that he returns. Jesus, you have always been my Lord. And that he would be able to say to more and more people, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. I want that. I want that for you. I want that for me. And uh, there's there's really no greater joy than seeing the Lord work through a humble human vessel. And I'm so grateful that we have the perfect example in our humble servant, King Jesus. It just makes me love him even more. That he would be God and still lay all of that aside to walk this earth and experience what we experience. Experience what we experience fully, and yet lived an example of a life filled by the Spirit, seeking the Father's will in prayer and enacting it in faith. It's amazing. It's amazing. Let's pray together. And and I'm just going to invite you as we pray, if you would like more of this in your life, I just invite you to hold out your hands in a posture of receiving, wherever you are, unless you're driving. Don't do that. But seriously, your heart needs to be in a posture of receiving from the Lord right now. And we just come to you, Father. We come to you because you said we could. That alone is mind-blowing. The authority we've been given to enter the throne room. The authority we've been given to know that we are co-heirs with Christ. Christ. Jesus, search our hearts. Is there anything in us that because of something someone said maybe years ago, it turned us off of ever even considering that you can move in power through your people? Maybe somebody slandered someone who was, even if they were doing it, for a selfish ambition, which was wrong, we will never go there. It does not make your word fall flat. You are a power, you are amazing. Lord, it's Pentecost Sunday. So as we have our hands open to you, I pray that we would receive in greater measure a gift of faith first, <laughs> a gift of faith to believe everything you say and a humility to know we won't get it all figured out. But Lord, I pray that you would pour out your spirit, that your people would prophesy words of knowledge, healing, casting out of demons that we would see the lame walk, the blind see, and that we would proclaim forever. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. This is all because of Jesus, because we love him and he loves you and he's set on restoring all of this. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we praise you. You are king and Lord forever, and you love us. Jesus, there's some right now, I I pray that in their hearts right now, would you just repent? Would you say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I've been arrogant about this been arrogant and I've been scared. But it's been centered on just me trying to control everything. Jesus, I pray that there would be a great release right now. A reset. And Lord, would you be gracious to teach us. Uh, you taught your disciples and they got to see you and walk with you and, and hear you. and And we will too. And you're gracious, and we we won't walk this in the full measure that you did, certainly not. We still allow the enemy to have footholds. But Lord, I pray that you would deliver us from the evil one, and they would walk more and more into the fullness of God. Your word tells us so often that the expectation is that we would be grown into maturity, grow up into the head who is Christ, and the whole body would be held together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're the head and that what you say goes and that you hold this all together. Continue to teach us and guide us and and just send us out. It's not just so that we can do signs and wonders. It's so that we can be sent out for you so that a harvest that is ripe could be brought in. In your name, Jesus, that a harvest would be brought in. Turn our affections towards you and our desires to be earnestly desiring these gifts. Jesus, that we would love you first and foremost with everything in our being, all our heart, soul, mind, and strength each and every day. with Everything we've got. We praise you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Oh, bless you as you go again. I say, I said it at the top. I'll say it now. Uh, This is a conversation, and um, I just bless you in the name of our Lord Jesus, and I really anticipate his goodness and his grace upon you as we seek exactly what he has for this place, for his church. May God get all the glory. Amen. Bless you guys.